Hello and welcome to the Word on the Hill with the Lanky Guys. My name is Father Peter Musk. And my name is Scott Powell, and we are so happy that you've joined us once again. Why did you drop the doctor? Do you not do you not want to be known as that right now? I don't think it are you trying to are you trying to deceive us with your identity? I don't usually introduce myself with that. You know what I'm saying? Do you, you don't introduce yourself as doctor? If you want a good way to make everyone hate you immediately, walk into a room and be like, <laughs> Hi, my name is Dr. Scott Powell. <laughs> in the ch- the church says that if you are really knowledgeable then you're a doctor i mean like dude if you're a doctor in the ch- there's like doctorates and then there's doctorate in the church you know what i'm saying i do i do i only have the the former i for think now that they're gonna i uh, that's what i'm saying i think that the, that in antiquity they're gonna revisit these recordings oh, Lord, help us. and they're good and they're gonna go you know what you know who should they not be doctors sp- it's those two <laughs> <laughs> we will revoke scott's d- original, original doctorate, doctorate and not give him another one well everybody we um we want to extend a special w- word of love mm. to all of those of you who are listening who uh maybe you are out of work mm. And you're struggling, and we just know that um, a little bit of laughter is always a good thing when times are hard. So um, we we don't jest because we don't respect. We we jest because we love we love you. And and uh, <laughs> the truth is is that times are hard. So you know if you can't laugh and enjoy the word of God a little bit, um, then. You need to listen to more lanky guys. <laughs> yeah, that's a good antidote. <laughs> right, right. So speaking so, of that, we me. have an announcement to make. Um, partially do. because we just love you guys, and we're trying to do our best to play our tiny, tiny little role in the body of Christ in this time. We are going to be doing a live podcast next week, next Thursday, at 11 o'clock Mountain Time, wherever you are. So check it out. We're going to be having it on the St. Thomas Aquinas Facebook page. That's, I think, where we're going to do the platform for this. So, yeah, we're getting back together. Father Peter and I are going to be together. We're, I don't know if we'll be, like, back-to-back or, you know, six feet apart, whatever. But we're going to be no, live. Oh, we're doing I just, this. I just had an idea. Well, because we're going to social distance and do the do the, do the, do the uh, do on that one. I, what if we did, like, almost like a confessional screen setup? Oh, my gosh. So was... <laughs> or one of those plexiglass screens that they have in, in Target. Yeah. Dude, you know what I realized? So there's a local Ma and Pa um, hardware store okay. that is uh, in Boulder called McGuckins, which is, like, seriously, it's it's way beyond just anything. It literally has everything and anything. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like um, um, Portobello Road from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Okay. Um, and... Uh, that, did you catch my? I mean, I mean, that's that's an old school reference. I don't know if you would get that one. Scott. I saw Bedknobs and Broomsticks, but it was like when I was eight. So I I, yeah. I trust in you. Okay. And your well, references. um, so so yeah, so if that place hadn't been open during these last months, mm-hmm. I I would have gone bonkers. Yeah, I can see that. That's I wouldn't have been able to get my garden compost. Mm. No. And um, and my drip irrigation kit that I've now I have a oh I have a new merit badge it's a drip drip irrigation I I now know how to do that nice did you make the merit badge yep. 
I did. Uh, I have yet to do the report, but um, <laughs> I, this, this, <laughs> you can get somebody else to do that for you. If you already have, if you already have the paperwork merit badge, you can you can just delegate that. Oh, dude! I think that that should be the first one is delegation. Then you get the delegation badge. merit badge. Yeah, right. Right, and then then from then on out, you can get somebody else to do your paperwork. And then so. if you get all of them, you get the bureaucracy merit badge. <laughs> okay, so so just to be clear for everybody, um, uh, Thursday, I don't know where you went May, just there. <laughs> May fourteenth, yeah. um, at eleven a.m., we're gonna do a live Lanky guys. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Uh, you guys. Mountain st- Mountain Standard Time. Mountain standard Time. Um, uh, but it's only live on the internet. You don't get to have the. You don't get to be in person. You can't be there. No. Yeah. Sorry. We need to distance from you still. But not our hearts. Our hearts will be close and not what. Whatever. Yeah. We're excited though. <laughs> but it's gonna be fun. So so we want you to if you can watch live. I mean I know maybe you know people's work things are even more flexible now. But you know we'd love we'd love to interact with you. You know send us a comment on Facebook. We want to you know we want to see you there. We want you to tell us where you're listening from and stuff. So so do if you can join us at eleven o'clock. Please do. It's gonna be there afterwards as well. But but please join us. Yeah. Virtually. That That's is. the best. Okay, so uh, we're going to be in the fifth Sunday of Easter. And then uh, the first reading that we are going to approach with reverence and great acumen okay. um, is Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Very good. Our responsorial psalm is from Psalm 33, verses 1 through 2, 4 through 5, and 18 through 19, with the response coming from verse 22. Deuce, deuce. And then our second reading <laughs> is from First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. Good, and our gospel is coming from the farewell discourse. So John, the gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. The farewell discourse? Yeah, so uh, John, all of John, chapter 13 through 17, is Jesus' famous farewell discourse. Where around the Last Man, Supper, a, when he's giving his last words to his apostles before his passion, dude, I think man, talk about John. John like did he did some good work, you know? Mm, like he did. I wouldn't have been. I I would have been really disoriented after that. I mean, talk about like working hard to remember stuff. Like he had a good memory. He must have. But you, know, we're also dealing with a culture. I was actually dealing with this in my uh, introduction to the Bible course, which just wrapped up yesterday. I just finished grading all the final exams. Um, but I, I think we, as modern people, underestimate greatly the value of oral traditions for ancient cultures and for cultures that are not particularly, you know, adept at writing or, or it's not widespread. The idea of memorizing things and passing things down orally with incredible care and safeguarding is just, we treat the ancient world like it was a giant game of telephone, you know, and how could you possibly remember what somebody said, da 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 and I think we forget because we have, the, you know, the, a lot of the ancients said that, did you know that some of the ancients actually said that reading books would make the human mind lazy? Because once we all learned to read, we wouldn't have the value of memorizing things anymore and it would make our brains lazier. And then they didn't even imagine TV and the internet and all the other ways that we can and, dumb down our brains. And highlighters. And highlighters. Dude, man. Dude, this and, is then, the and highlights you... for kids in the dentist office. <laughs> in the doctor, so many yeah, things. In the doctor office. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we got a roll. So if we if we were to to spitball a um uh, a, a haphazard title for this podcast, I would call it a tale of two Phillips. 
<laughs> which is not really accurate because the Phillips don't play a particularly strong part in the readings. But there are two separate Phillips that actually kind of frame and bookend the readings from this week, which I, I don't know. I think is kind of cool. So we have um, one of the very first deacons of the church. So Acts chapter 6, what we're getting here is the, basically the story of how deacons came to be in the, in the Catholic tradition. It's where the, deacon, the, the diaconate comes from. Um, the second deacon, of which we learn, is a guy named Philip, who's the one who later on uh, is on the road with the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, and, and teaches him the book of Isaiah back in chapter 8, which is, do you, do you know the passage I'm talking about? It's, my, it's the, like, quintessential passage in the Bible for understanding the charisma of the church and how the church and how scripture is meant to be taught by others and carried on by tradition and the teaching authority of the church. Um, Philip is the one who does that in chapter 8. But yeah, he's one of the first deacons. And then we get another Philip, totally different Philip, in the Gospel of John, who is one of the apostles. He's the one who actually, I think, he's the one who went and got Nathaniel and brought Nathaniel to Jesus. And so he actually plays a fairly prominent role as well. But it's kind of, it's weirdly bookended by these two different Philips, which I don't know, there's really not that much mileage there. I was just kind of struck by it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I, I'm looking and uh, I just am thinking about the, 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 like the, um, nature of the Hellenists when we're looking yep. at Acts chapter six and here we are, it's the Hellenists and the Hebrews and the, uh-huh. the, you have the, it, the Hellenists is a, is a, is another term like, uh, for the Greeks. So now is it deeper than that though? Uh, you, you cut out one sec. Can you repeat that one more time? Hellenists oh, yes. is our are a, a way of referring to the Greek members of the community. Yeah, absolutely. So Helen is the name of uh, a prominent um, figure in Greek mythology. And so um, taking on the namesake of Helen, Hellenism or to Hellenize became the term for making things more Greek. And so people who were of Greek background and spoke Greek, they were Hellenists. It's... it's um, yeah, it's just, it's a major figure in Greek mythology who kind of became emblematic. It's, it's like Uncle Sam or something, you know, in, in American lore, right? It kind of becomes symbolic right. for things that are super American. So these Hellenists, they're, they're, pro- they're obviously Greek-speaking people because that's the most distinguishing marker of being Hellenists. They're Greek-speaking. They're probably immigrants who came to Jerusalem from somewhere else. They are probably Jewish. Um, they're, they're, they're Jewish Greek speakers, which... What, what we see here is that they're sort of being seen as, as kind of second-class citizens. And this, is, this has been a problem in all of human history. When somebody's different than us, you know, they, they always seem less than. So, you know, you kind of get the impression that the Hebrew Jews in Jerusalem, they're like, well, we're legit. We're the real deal because we're here in the Holy Land. We live in Jerusalem or in Judea. Like, you guys, that's cool. You're Jews too, I guess. But you're outsiders. You came from over there. You're not really in it you 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 know you've come from these different backgrounds so now they're all christians so these are believers these are people from hellenistic backgrounds greek backgrounds and people from jewish backgrounds who are now christians and you get the impression that the ones from the greek backgrounds the ones who maybe come from someplace else are sort of being treated as second class christians and the the kind of being mistreated it's coming out in basically an injustice to the most vulnerable members of their of their culture, which is these widows who are not being cared for and being apparently discriminated against. And it's, it's pretty problematic. And so 
the 12 apostles are brought into this and people are like, hey, you guys, what the heck? Like, we, we've heard the preaching of Jesus. Like, we know the message. We know that we're all equal in Christ and all this stuff. So, so how come our people are getting treated at like second-class citizens and what's going on here? And the apostles, it's actually really funny that you brought up what you did earlier. And I don't say this in any demeaning way, but the apostles do what all great leaders do when faced with a problem that they don't know how to solve, which is... <laughs> they delegate it. <laughs> They're like, well, we're pretty busy with ministering to the word yeah. and the spiritual life. So we're going to delegate it to these other people who actually are ordained. There's a laying on of hands, right? There's actually an ordination of these particular people who are now called deacons. Diakonos in Greek means to serve, literally. So they're going to now handle sort of the temporal matters of the church, like making sure people are fed, making sure they're cared for, doing the service-oriented thing, while the apostles then and the priesthood, the second order of ordination, are the ones who deal with the liturgy and ministering of the word and the spiritual life. And so we actually, it's great because we get this insight into some of the... the, the um, the infancy of the structural reality of the church and trying to figure out, okay, how does Jesus want us to move? Because Jesus doesn't just care about our spiritual lives. He cares about our temporal lives. He cares about, you know, our widows and if they're cared for and the people in our communities. He cares about all those things. And it's this wonderful, really beautiful example of literally the different parts of the body of Christ and the, the apostles with their great wisdom of saying, look, we are called to this really particular reality and I don't think God is calling us to do everything. And maybe he's calling these particular people who have these particular gifts to do this kind of other work, which is also really important. And so we're going to find those people and lay hands on them and actually create another level of ordination so that the people of God can be served in their spiritual life and in their temporal life. It's, it's I think, a really beautiful moment. Yeah. And I, what I love, and too, I, I, is in the midst of this, too, is by, by the names of these particular people, you can tell yes, that we're actually getting Greeks that are being ordained, that are being uh, being brought yes. up and elevated so that it's not just some yes. sort of um, dominant yeah, class yeah. that the Jews are dominant, yeah. but that, no, it's it's a symbol saying, like, no, we're in this together. It's, it's kind of like we're looking right now in the world church and, like, yeah. the fastest growing members of the Catholic faith are, are in Africa. Africa yeah. is huge. Absolutely. And it's changing the the full the full nature of the church, whereas at one point we were kind of uh, really centered in, in Europe. Yes. Um, and, and then Asia grew into a huge, I mean, the Filipino mm. Catholic church uh, in the Philippines is like huge. And by the way, we're huge in the Philippines. We do have a I lot mean, of listeners out there. So hello to all of you. <laughs> I mean, so shout out to the Philippines. Woo! What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so like it's it's like that and, yeah. and I that's what I love is that we we're never a group of people who are about a utopia we're actually about um like actually figuring it out and going into the conflict yeah. and then saying like hold on we need to come up with a new solution because yeah. this conflict is causing real problems and we're not afraid of that yeah yeah, and, and, and I, I thank you for pointing out that it's, it's all the Greeks because it's also saying, if, if part of the problem is saying, look, these people are second-class citizens or kind of a thing, it's the church in the church's authority of the apostles who are all Jewish saying, and, and Hebrew Jews, saying, no, we're given our full backing and authority behind those guys. These, and we know right. a lot. I mean, Stephen is the first one. Stephen, who is now a deacon, the first deacon of the church, will also become the first martyr of the church. 
in the next chapters of Acts. And so we, this is not some little trite, you know, morsel that we're giving them to kind of, you know, quiet everybody down. It's not some concession that they give. This is, this is a real thing, and these deacons will go on to do incredible things. Philip and Stephen, I think, are the ones we well, know most about, but it's really cool. Well, what I love, and this actually leads us into the psalm, is that the church repents. It just says, you know yeah. what? Yes. Okay. We have neglect. You know, we are, we've been totally yeah. uh, Israel centric hmm. and we need to expand and become more worldwide. And yeah. so Lord may, and so our refrain is may your mercy Lord be upon us as we put our hope in you. Hmm. That even though in the midst of all of that, it's, it's saying like, look, we're sinful. Our hope is in you. Um, even though we elevate these people, you know what? They're still fraught with sin too. And so we still place our hope in you, even though we're, we're expanding and we're doing that. It's not that somehow now just that we have, um, Greek ordination that now that's going to be the solution to our problems. No, we're still, (laughs) we're still like, you know what? We're going to become righteous. We're going to elevate our hearts and and we're going to praise God. But we're going to recognize that we're still not the saviors. We're still like Peter, the first pope, messed everything up. I mean, he, he like and Jesus and Jesus knew it. And, and Jesus knew it. And yeah. so like. Right. So so it says, behold, the eye of the Lord is upon those who fear him, upon those who count yeah. on his mercy to deliver their soul from death and keep them alive through famine. See, this, the famine that they were going on, like like it was it was even a weird political famine that was going on, which is actually part of the world today. There's a lot of people who are in famine, Absolutely. not because there's not enough food, yes. because there's not enough money. Or people are hoarding and we're not we're not being generous with one another. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. And that's yeah. and that's where you say, oh, okay, so we gotta place our hope in the Lord, and yes. we gotta get people who have attention to that, yeah. in positions that they can do it. But it's still not the solution. Only Jesus is the solution. Absolutely, and but and that's and that's what what's beautiful about it is that that's this this um, passage, although it doesn't go into all the details, it looks an awful lot like Acts of the Apostles chapter one, where the apostles say, okay, well, we had twelve of us. Judas has committed suicide. What do we do now? And they turn to the Lord with prayer and they cast lots and they ask the Lord, hey, we don't know exactly what to do. Guide us. Show us how to move forward in this. And, and I, I just see a lot of similarities with even the way the deacons are being chosen and presented by the apostles. They present apostles, they pray, they laid hands, and they're like, okay, God, guide us. We actually understand what the problem right. is. We understand, I think, the direction. So please show us. We place our trust in you. So let your mercy be upon us and guide us as we, as we move forward. Here's what we got. Now you take over, Lord. Right. Show us the rest. Right. Uh, there's a line in Psalm 33, which we don't sing, but it's in Psalm 33. It's, um, it's uh, verse 16, and it says, A king is not saved by his great army. Mm. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a vain hope for victory, and by its great might it cannot save. Um, and it's saying that, the, 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 that even though we assemble this great army, that's not the salvation of the church. Yeah, right. It, right, right. It's good. Yeah. And it's, it's recognizing, yes, okay, we got to do, do our best. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. And <laughs> it's a bummer we don't get it this week. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I I was having this question in my heart. I'm like, why do we not do the full Psalms? Why do we do selections of Psalms? And I don't know. You know, how every once in a while, you just get frustrated because you're like, oh, I yeah. want something f- fuller. Yeah. 
um, I, I, I don't, I don't want just to, I don't want a partial reality. And I think that there's wisdom somewhere in the church why we're doing it, but I, I just, I'd like for something more. I'd love for a change in that, but well, par- thankfully it ain't up to me. Well, part of what's difficult is I do think there is a, a, a presumption <laughs> that twofold that, because of course the whole nature and structure of our liturgy comes from ancient Judaism. And the assumption was, we're just going to give these snippets with the presumption that you actually know the rest, and it's going to evoke the rest of it in your heart. Because you know Psalm 33, like you know the story of Acts of the Apostles, and as soon as I mention Philip, it's going to evoke all these other stories, which we're, we're in large part fairly illiterate in Scripture, so it doesn't have the desired effect. But I mean, you should see the, the name Stephen show up. And a well-formed Catholic mind should be like, oh, Stephen, oh, he was the first martyr. And he's, Paul is really involved in that, which leads to Paul's conversion to go out to all the Gentiles. Oh, so what you're saying is that the choosing of these Greek-speaking deacons is part of the long thread that God's going to use to ordain St. Paul to then go out to all the rest of the nations. And it, it kind of, you know, it almost hopes that you'll either go back or that you know the bigger macro narrative and that these little tiny snippets will evoke all that in us. But it just means we have to work a little bit harder to, to kind of go back and fill in those gaps, you know? Right. And I think that that's actually why everybody listens to us is that you guys are actually wanting what we just said. You want the gaps to be filled in. You want the fuller story. You don't want to, you don't want to have half measures or half steps, you know? Right. Ain't nobody half stepping. Ain't nobody half stepping, man. Speaking of half stepping. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> first, first Peter. <laughs> not really. First Peter, you know. Oh well, there is uh, I, there is talk, talk about stumbling and falling. So that's kind of half stepping, right? Oh, yeah, dude. Somebody, somebody who's half stepping is gonna stumble. Yeah, that's right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh mercy. Um, this is a great little chunk of of passage. <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> scott man your erudition just <laughs> shot up 10 points man i'm just saying oh, that's... You, you must be you must have been grading papers i think you I've spent all you know how it's like you know how it's like when you've been lifting weights you, yeah. or like You're exercising you get yeah you jello get pumped, arms you yeah. just Right. And then I start Elvising. I think the same thing happens intellectually where you pour yourself out and you're thinking about something. And then, then you're like, hi, everybody. The, I think this is a good night and yeah. it's fun. And everybody's like, what happened to him? I thought that he was a smart person. Oh, yeah. The end of the semester has given me the jello brains a little bit. Yeah, mm, yeah, dude. Sorry. Me too. Thanks for pointing it, that Everybody out. graduated yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to point out your jello brains anytime, bro. Oh, that's the best. But it is, but it, okay, but it is a cool passage. And, and this is, I want to, I have a particular th- thought that I think is really important that I, I'm trying to, I, it connects really well with the gospel. And I, let's see how we can make sense of the first reading with it. Um, but okay. what, so, so there's a lot that connects all around. I mean, th- th- there's, there is some, some really interesting threads that go through all these. But First Peter, remember we talked about First Peter the last few weeks. So this, as Peter himself says, this is a letter that's written to these exiles, people who have, for whatever reason, in some way, who are believers and now have been exiled from their community, where they want to be. They're living in a sort of diaspora, right? They, they are not in their homeland. They're quarantined. You know, they're distanced. I, they're, think of your, your chosen pun for our time. We've talked about that. Um, but what, what he's doing in this particular, so this is kind of the, the climax 
of this first section. And what he's doing is basically reminding them, despite their exile and despite whatever suffering they're facing, of their identity and their vocation, right? So he's going to stress identity and vocation. The only way that you can understand your identity and your vocation, particularly for these folks living in this kind of exile, is through the lens of Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying is, okay, um, your status and your identity and who you are is not the reality that it is in spite of your sufferings and in spite of your being rejected by the world and often exile, but it actually, your identity exists on account of it, because of it. And that can only make sense to you if you see your own identity and if you see your state in life seen through the lens of Jesus Christ. And so if you feel rejected by human beings, if you feel like stones that have been cast out, what you need to see is not like, oh, I can kind of pull myself up and see my value despite all these terrible things. He's saying, no, if you actually see the lens of Jesus Christ, your value and your identity as believers actually comes because of them, because you are looking and, and becoming more like Jesus. And so he gives this masterful, I mean, this is the uneducated fisherman who denied Jesus and tried to cut off a dude's ear. Now, later in life, giving one of the most beautiful Christological readings of the Old Testament, going through passage by passage in the Old Testament, saying only through the lens of Jesus Christ does the Old Testament make sense. Here's what it says in the Old Testament about this stone being laid in Zion. Here's what it says about the, the stone that will make people stumble. Here's the rock that was rejected by the people with the lens of Jesus Christ all of this makes sense. You can understand the entirety of the Bible. And he says to these folks, and if you understand that, then your lives make sense. And he gives the church yeah. really one of the greatest um, pedagogical tools that the church has ever received in this. I am reading so much of the same stuff, Scott, of, of like, it's so hard to believe when you're experiencing a, a collective rejection. Yeah. I, I, like, so you look at the Hellenists yeah. yes, and exactly they're like, right. f they're feeling so rejected. Yeah. And yet... Because they really are rejected. And, the, and there's the reality of it. Like, no, you are being rejected. Right. I, and, 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 and that's actually another example is, is that oftentimes when I say feeling rejected, you say, oh, that's just your feelings. Right. We have a tendency to neglect feelings. Sometimes. No, like the, exp oh yeah, yeah absolutely. You know that's right. why you say, you say, oh, okay, I'm feeling rejected. Yeah. And you say, well, am I really being rejected? Oh yes, I am. Okay, yeah. this is good. It's, it's a, it gives you a map. Yeah, yeah, and, you're right. And when you're saying, oh, remember that the living stone rejected by human beings has been, is precious in the sight of God, that, that, that martyrdom isn't just uh, some sort of expression that you are now murdered, but that there, that this yeah. rejection, but that it's precisely the reason why the church always says um, that the, the, the seed of the church are her martyrs. Why? Because yeah. Tertullian. Saints, are, saints are weird. This is what I know. Was when, <laughs> yeah. when they're, they're just they're just they're in oddballs because they've drawn so close to God that God is asking of them this particular mission, and it doesn't mm. it doesn't fit very well because it's not gotten done. Whatever the thing is 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 like the Lord's like okay, he, he's really good at delegating, and he's like I got a mission for you, 
And uh, yeah. and so here this is, and 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 it's not going to be easy because people are going to reject this particular expression of of my glory pouring out in the world, just in the same way that they rejected Jesus. Um, yeah. And that's where it's like, and but but that actually is what becomes the cornerstone. That's why we look back at like the doctors of the church. You say like Teresa Lisieux. I mean, what a weird doctor of the church. Saint Catherine of Siena. Talk about somebody who doesn't fit anything. Here's a gal yeah. who she she just doesn't fit any category of the time and yeah. transforms the worlds through writing letters and yeah. like I mean, and the whole church and and like her theology and who she is. And you say mm. like, wow, she's just all uh, consistently all these things that don't fit become the this like demonstration to us of how creative and expansive God's love and right. and reality really is. And that's what and, and so we look and we say that's you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, mm. because you're supposed to announce his praises. Yes. He called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And, and that's just oh. to the people whose response is like, but wait, we're still in darkness. And he's like, mm. but you're not. You are right. in a kind of darkness, but you're in the darkness that Jesus Christ has actually allowed you to accompany him into, which is his right. wonderful life. And then it causes you to rethink everything that you know about your world. Right. Which, which is interesting because, um, John, yes. the passage right. right before we get into the, what we hear is this moment when Jesus says, Peter, you're going to reject me three times. Right. So he's at the Last Supper, right? That's yep. the context for this. And he just told Peter, you're going to reject me three times. Everyone's like, wait, who's going to reject you? What's going to happen? Who's going to turn their back? You know, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, then he says point blank to Peter. But it's funny because if you take what John is saying in kind of the strict chronological order, which is the way he wrote it. I, I know he's kind of bouncing around. He's saying different. He might be reordering things that Jesus said to kind of make a point of how he's telling you the story. But I mean... Peter's just like, I'm gonna, I would do anything. I would follow you. I would lay down my life for you. I will do anything. And he's like, you're going to deny me three times. And then in his next breath, he says, hey, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. <laughs> Which, <laughs> if you put those things together, you're going to, I mean, the God of the universe saying, hey, Scott, hey, Father Peter, you are going to deny me and reject me. But don't <sighs> worry. Don't be troubled about that. Or don't be troubled. And then go on to say something else. I mean, the the you could say it's a dismissiveness, but in a, in a in a bigger sense, it's the sovereignty of God, who is making it clear that He can deal even with our stupidness. He can deal with all of it. He's like, this is what's going to happen. You're going to sin. You're going to fall. But don't worry, because look at what I'm actually doing. So don't mm. spend. I, I mean. It's not, there's a fine line, obviously. He's not saying, oh, sin is, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do wrong. Everything's fine. Everybody's cool. You know, I, you know, it's not that. But it's to those of us who are so weighed down by all of our bad decisions and the things that we do wrong and our rejectedness, both by ourselves. We reject ourselves. We feel rejected. And then Jesus saying, don't let your hearts be troubled because it's, it's going to be okay. But I don't know, there's something really powerful about, like you said, the fact that it comes immediately after his prediction of Jesus, of, uh, of Peter's rejection of him. Right. Which, which is interesting because it, what a complex narrative moment, right? When we look within the church, because you say the stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. Yeah. And who is who's meant to build up the church? Peter, but Peter himself. Yeah, he's the one who rejects. Oh. And he's. I the, know. Yeah, I know. That's because we don't see that. We're like, oh, it's the leaders. It's the you know. 
Right. That's too reductionist. Right. And but then Peter comes back and goes, oh, yeah, OK, then we're good. And that's what that's what <laughs> makes it really complicated about yes. being a Catholic is that we're going to yeah. we're going to have some tussle. Yes. And 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 this is always and we, we shorthand use it like, oh, the religious challenge, the right. institutional church and then the institutional church pushes back. And like like it's, it, it changes in every season in, of, course. <laughs> of, right. of the church. And when I say seasons, I'm speaking in hundreds of years. And yeah. Stuff, right. You know. Right. And and that's where. I, I think, okay, so then he goes off and he's talking about, okay, show us the father. And then Thomas is like, oh, but we don't know you. And then he's like, I don't, dude, have you been with me forever? And you are not grasping this. And he says, like, the father is dwells in me and is doing his and the work. We are one. Yeah. And that's specifically to and, Philip that he's saying that. Ah, and, yes. and the reason that I think that's significant is that the only other, I think the only other really meaningful thing we get about Philip is Philip's utter recognition of Jesus way, way back at the very beginning of John, who runs to Nathaniel and is like, you've got to see this guy. I've seen something unbelievable. And so I think it's significant that this is Philip because it's Philip who was, who had his eyes opened in this really right. big way so that he goes and he's like, this is, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been promised. I've seen it. But he didn't right. see all the way. He only saw a Moses or an Elijah, you know, or, a, or an Isaiah kind of a figure. And now Jesus is like, okay, that's how you started. That was your starting point, and that was awesome. But now you've been with me. And the hope is that you've gone deeper and further by now. And you get the sense right. that Philip's struggling to go deeper than he initially started with. Yes, there's the conversion moment, which is awesome. But now I need more from you. Right. I, I, and that's where it's like, okay, your identity is rooted in me, but now we've got some, so we've got some mission. Yeah. He says like, you, it, it, whoever believes in me, the last line, will do the works that I do yeah. and will do greater ones than these because I'm going to the Father. He's saying, I'm going to be in you, but, and like, and you've been, you've call, been called, but, and you had this identity, a transformation, yep. but now I need you to act out of that identity. Yes. And to do that means that there's going to be real consequence. And Absolutely. there's going to be like, and when you mess up, it's going to be real messing up. Right. And yet I will still pull you out of the darkness right. and bring you into light and transform all of those things into light. And on a, on a bigger level, on kind of a literary level, he's giving you the interpretive key for the whole book of Acts of the Apostles which is the story of the church doing greater things than these because Jesus has gone to the Father. That's actually, right. it's literally volume two. He gave you the, you know, the, the preview of next week on, which is, which is kind of cool because then that, the, the church in her wisdom is actually uniting those two things. Right. Um, I love what Philip asks, though. When he's like, Show look, the all Father I want is enough. to see God the Father. That's it, man. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> like, That's a big ask, man. That's a really yeah. I mean, like it's it's really unhesitatingly bold. That's all I want. And but but here's where it connects with what we were saying with the second reading. Jesus's answer is what? How can I? You, you, how can you say, "Show us the Father"? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is me? Jesus is giving what Peter will then expand into this pedagogical teaching of the church. He's saying, "Look, I am the lens through which you are to see the Father." And this is the answer to all of human history, right? You have the whole tradition of the Old Testament 
where people are constantly misunderstanding who God is. Either he's super mean or he's usually ticked off or he demands you know this or that or whatever it is. And the whole tradition of the church says, look, the only way to understand who God is and to understand the story of the Old Testament is through the lens of Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Because Jesus literally says it right here. Oh, you want to see the Father? I am the window. I mean, Colossians says he is the icon of the invisible God. God is invisible. Nobody's seen him. But we've seen Jesus, which means we've given, been given the window and the icon into who God is. That's essentially what Peter is saying. Peter's just translating it into every other aspect of our lives. And says, no, this is bigger than just the Last Supper. This is everything about who you are. It's all within the lens of Jesus Christ. And that's what makes everything make sense. So if you're feeling like Philip, you're like, I just want to see the Father. I feel exiled. I feel so far away. I just want to know that the Father has me. I just want to know that God is there. Peter's saying, okay, here is the lens that you need to look through. And then you can see. And I know that. I mean, Peter doesn't say this, but you might imagine he's thinking it. I know it because I heard Jesus say it. I was next to him when he said it to Philip, and I didn't understand it at the time, but now I do. He's saying he's the window to make all of it make sense. So that means that Philip's ask wasn't too big of an ask. Jesus is like, yeah, okay, cool, here you go. Here you go. <laughs> you also have to love, and both Thomas and Philip, even though they, they seem they seem almost boneheaded here. They're not because they actually, and, and certainly in the, in the text, they're acting, acting as the juxtaposition of all of these religious leaders and other people in John who claim to know exactly what's going on. We know what's going on. We know who you are. We see the truth. We have this. And Thomas and Philip are both like, we don't see it. We don't understand. Where are you going? What's the address? We don't get it. And this is, I think, John's brilliance in demonstrating, look, the, the way to the true disciple and the way of a true disciple's heart is the admittance, the humble admittance that I actually don't understand. Because if mm. we can admit that we don't understand and we don't know where we're going and we don't know how to see the Father, that's the only way that Jesus can teach us. Right. If we think right. we know it all, we got nothing to learn. That's what it feels like to be on the podcast with you, Scott. No. I, <laughs> I mean, for you, for you, because you're learning all these things. I am. For me, I know, no. That's, that's I, I really, I jest. <laughs> because, because we actually, when we approach it humbly, mm. uh, like, yeah. And, and, yeah. and this is actually where our sin and why we always, we say we, we never, we've, we are always going to have sin within our lives, yeah. and we are trying to not. But as soon as you say you don't have sin, then right. you be. <laughs> it, it's, it, <laughs> yeah. As soon as you think, oh, okay, I'm pure in my total understanding, then no, you're wrong. Right. <laughs> like, yep. There's the, we actually have to keep working it out, and that's and that's the great gift actually, right. because um, as we work it out, the, those problems lead to greater, more beautiful solutions. Just in the same, like he's like, show me the Father, and he's like, man, that's a that is a big <laughs> ask, and I'll be satisfied. And he's like. But I'm in the Father. And notice how everybody's blundering within the Gospels ends right. up leading to greater understanding in theological, theological expressions that were never previously known before. I mean, <laughs> right. that's what I love. It's like whenever yeah. you screw up, the Lord answers with a better answer than our stupid mumblings. Right. A better answer than what we asked. Right. And that's, yeah. that's, what, uh, that's what I think that happens within the podcast sometimes, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, praise be to God. 
Yeah. Well, hey, thank you all for joining us on this beautiful, lovely, overcast Colorado day. Mm. Um, you know, I uh, I left my toolbox out in the rain last night. Oh and, no. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and so it's always that's always a sad moment because it's a tool bag, so it's not even a box. It's not even like the top. Well, it's like the bag was filled with water. At least it won't rust. The tools all will. Yeah, but just not no, the all tools will. Yeah. You know, but not the bag. The bag will mold. <laughs> hey well god bless you all thank you for joining us and we look forward to an 11 a.m uh thursday the 14th may um live podcast with all of you guys yes please join us we will see you next week okay god bless you all bye-bye the word on the hill podcast is a production of the aquinas institute for catholic thought here in beautiful boulder colorado you can find us online at www.thomascenter.org slash a-i-c-t And you can find the Lanky Guys podcast at lankyguys.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next time.